Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the New Club Podcast, a podcast built specifically for you, our member community, honoring compelling golf and the people whose impact on the game makes it all possible. For our first guest, I spoke with Don Pieper, General Manager and Director of Golf at the Merritt Club in Libertyville, Illinois. Don has been at the Merritt Club since the beginning, when the course opened in 1992. He grew up as a caddy at nearby Glenview Club in Glenview, Illinois, where he would contently shoot hoops in the caddy yard until securing his loop for the day. Don received the Western Golf Association's Chick Evans Caddy Scholarship and attended Indiana University. Don later returned to Glenview Club as an assistant pro under Ed Oldfield, renowned teacher and PGA professional. In Don's career, he has served as many roles, including Illinois Section President from 2005 to 2006, Illinois Junior Golf Association Board Member and President of Illinois PGA Golf Foundation from 99 to 2007, and in 2003, Don was the Illinois PGA Professional of the Year. As one of the most well-respected professionals around, if you talk to any of his peers in the industry, they all refer to him as simply the Don. Don is an incredible advocate for our game, playing roles as a general manager, PGA pro, and successful golf instructor. He frequently reminds his students of three simple words, golf is fun. On this episode, Don and I touch on a variety of different topics, from his days in the caddy yard to officiating a match between Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, plus a few recommendations on how to improve your chipping or simply have more fun on the golf course. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Don Peeper. Enjoy. Somebody, anybody, uh, something other than the game of golf. So you're teaching people something. What would that topic be? Um, I'd probably harken back to my, to my childhood with my father. My father always had a unique way of phrasing things, a unique way of saying things. You know, one of his, he always had a line for everything, but one of his greatest lines, he said, he always said, son, it takes, takes no talent to do two things in the world, and one is to be on time, and two is to try your hardest. Teach me. And, you and know. was he around in the game of golf? No, he was uh, just a businessman. You know, I think if he could do it all over again, he would have been a coach. You know, um, he, he loved that side. He was a football player, um, you know, through high school and college. But uh, he uh, always had a unique way. He always said, too, he said, he always told me, he said, son, you know you're going to be successful when, when, you know, two things happen. He says, one, you never look at a clock because, you know, you, you don't care when the day ends. It doesn't matter. And you don't know when payday is because that means you love your job and it means you got enough money to make it through. You know, and, and uh, always lived in Chicago. You were born and raised in Chicago. Born, right? born and raised in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What area? Uh, North Side. Born and raised in Morton Grove, Illinois. Okay. And um, I cut my teeth in the golf business uh, when I was 11 years old. Told everybody I was 13. And I, was, I went up to Caddy at the Glenview Club, uh, just there in the near North Side. Yeah. And we're we're honored to sit with a Evan Scholar today as well. I, I am an Evan Scholar. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, so tell us about caddying. I think it's always, you know, even in our, our membership base, we have so many former caddies sure. who learned the game that way before even touching a club their own of their own to play. So what did caddying do for you as you were coming up? 
Well, I think you probably heard it all before from other people, but it, boy, it, it tells you how to adapt to a new and different boss every day. It, it you know, it, it's not easy. So you have to you have to be willing to get up early. There, there's not a payday guaranteed at the end of the day. You know, maybe you get a loop. Maybe you don't get a loop. Maybe it rains. Maybe it rains in three days, and you don't have enough money. Did you save enough cash from the last time you looked to get to the through the next time you caddied? Um, you know, just deal, how to deal with people. You know, and and get to know some pretty what you think is pretty successful business people, but you get to know they're just people like everybody else. You know, the old they put their slacks on one leg at a time, like we do. You yeah. know, yeah. And, and uh, did you know while caddying that you wanted to work in golf? When did that start to become a reality for you? Is actually okay. I, I want to be around this. I want to work in it. Um, the answer is no. Um, my first love, the reason why I went up to caddy when I was a kid, because they had a full court basketball court in the caddy yard at the Columbia Club. So I could play basketball all day, every day with kids that were older, bigger, and stronger. I just love playing hoops. I used to love play hoops. That's all I used to love to do. Yeah. And um, some days I would go up there and just play hoops and hope I didn't get out because I just wanted to play basketball. But um, you don't look like the typical golfer. You definitely have the height and the stature for yeah. more of a hoop. Yeah, so I, I played hoops, and yeah. I played one year of college basketball at Milliken University, and then had some ankle issues and lost a little desire to play. And, and on a whim, one of my one of my uh, other friends in the caddy yard said, "Hey, apply for the Evans Scholarship." I did, and you know I don't know how I slipped through the back door, but I did, and I and I uh, was able to receive a scholarship to Indiana University. And when I was there, um, fell in love with basketball again. I don't know if I was uh, influenced by Bobby Knight or not, but um, I wanted to go be a school teacher and a basketball coach. That's what I wanted to do. I got out, taught one year of school at Notre Dame High School in Niles. It was going along fine, and then, then lost my job due to declining enrollment. I was getting married. I didn't know what to do. Um, I thought I, so. I went back to the to work to the caddy yard, and a boss there at Oldfield says, "Hey." You know, I'm looking to need somebody to kind of help out in the shop. You can do that. And I said, I got in the shop, and I said, hey, I can do this, I can do that. Going through the some of the business courses I took at, took at school, they kind of made sense. This all kind of fell into place. And the thing that really solidified it from, for me was I was able to start to give golf lessons. I was able to teach golf. And I said, hey, this, this is pretty cool. I, a, I can make some money, and B, I get to teach which is what I wanted to do anyway, just on a little different level. And, um, and working up here, I was able to teach uh, at, you know, here, and especially when I came to the Merit Club. And then yeah. during the winters, I actually coached basketball at one of the local high schools. All right. Yeah, so that was kind of fun, too. I got to do both at the same time. I was very lucky. So it was really the, the coaching of the game that got you into more yes. of the, the business elements of it. Yeah, exactly right. How, how similar is coaching uh, the golf swing and golfers to coaching a basketball team and basketball you know there with, with golf it's more on an individual basis you know sometimes with, with with basketball there's a little bit more okay I got to build up the team a little bit more team morale team building you have to do because you got supposedly have five or six or seven pieces working together uh, in golf there's a mental side of it so the guy doesn't beat himself up too much if he's not doing very well uh, there's some similarities without a doubt but there's also some some big differences too in terms of how you got to do it yeah um, but related to your your career and when you started at the Merit Club, so you've been here since day one, right? I have 
from from the opening of the club. Yes. Were you the? I think Orlando was telling us you were the first or second tee shot of oh <laughs> of the club's history. I don't um, <laughs> that could be. I don't even know. But that that sounds about right. Because yeah. we had the we had actually I probably wasn't there. I was in. Well, what we did, and actually I give all the credit to Oldfield when we opened up in 19, July 5th of 1992 was our first official day um, for the first two months as all the course was growing and we didn't put a hole on our fifth hole. So you could play the golf course, but there was no official, there's no, you, could, you, couldn't, you couldn't post an official round because we didn't <laughs> have a hole. So, but on July 5th, Great. we said, okay, we had, we had the owners, we had the architect, the superintendent, myself, um, there was eight of us. And we, or actually, and so the, the first group went off, and, and they, they played 17 holes, and we played right behind them. And then we got to the 18th hole, and, and they didn't finish out ahead of us. So we counted up the scorecard. So Mrs. Getz, who, who, uh, who loves the people in golf, but not necessarily the game, had like 128 shots up into that point, and she was on the green, and she two-putted, and she had 130, and she held the course record for <laughs> two minutes and 30 seconds. And the next guy who shot 101 <laughs> held the course record, and all the way down. So everybody of those eight people that played held the course record at one point that day. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Getz, their sons, the superintendent, everybody. So everybody that was there can say, I held the course record at the Merit Club at one point. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty, it was a good story. Uh, it was a great idea. Is, is 130 still on the board anywhere here? No, <laughs> that's kind of, I, I think the, actually one of my old assistants, Jim Builder, who now is the head pro at Kemper Lakes, uh, he holds a course record at 61. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's and, that, and that's playing. Yeah, that that's pretty playing. good. Uh, I did. That was one question I have for you. I know you've, I mean, you, I have a little bit of research on your accolades and awards uh, to the Illinois section, but you've had a lot of assistant pros go on to uh, head professional jobs and uh, even some playing careers, correct? I, I, um, I, I, a couple, pl- yeah, a couple guys have played a little bit, nothing big, uh, and then kind of worked their way back into the business on certain areas. But yeah, I've had a number of people that have worked for me that go down to be head pros now. I don't know how many it is. It's you know. it's been really cool just becoming more involved in the Chicago golf scene, and I'm talking to a lot of, you know, GMs and head professionals and directors of golf. I've heard you more than once referred to as not Don Peeper, but the Don. Wow, that's, so, that's very kind of some of the, that's only because I'm getting old. That's the only reason. And, you know, the, the people starting to call me Mr. Peeper, which is, it's hard for me to deal with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I like the Don. I think yeah, that is a good well, way to they, 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 they're, they're kind. They're good guys yeah. in the area. Um, so on, on Merit Club, that is it the 25th year? Actually, this is our twenty. We had, we celebrated our twenty fifth anniversary last year. Yeah. Uh, we opened up in ninety two, so this is the start of our twenty sixth season. Great, great. And just walking us through kind of the. Um, uh, I know there's a lot of history to the start and the foundation of it. Uh, so maybe sharing with us that that time, you know, when you were building this on this beautiful plot of land, the decision was made, and the you know they're starting to hire a team and. Um, build what you have here, which is you know, a remarkable landscape for golf. What uh, maybe walk us through those early years of, of starting that, um, and then and then some of the history, some of the key moments uh, in your mind over that that span. Well, um, I wasn't around for the for the uh, initial thought process. This land was a, was a cattle cattle uh, cattle ranch owned by uh, Mr. Bert Getz. Still has a house on the property. Um, he's in his 80s now. 
Um, but he loved raising cattle, and he, you know, blowing uh, a lot of blue ribbons, black Angus cattle. I mean, did a wonderful job. He was just getting to the point in the mid-80s where he's, it's hard to get a large animal veterinarian up here. It was hard to get the parts that he needed because everything was becoming more suburbanized. And people were knocking on his door saying, hey, you know, we could, we could you know, develop this land, put 3,000 homes on it, we could all make a lot of money. And Mr. Getz, um, that wasn't what he was about. You know, he moved from Wilmette, Wilmette, Winnetka area, you know, back in the 60s to get away from some of that sprawl. And that's what he wanted to do. And so he said, no, I don't, I don't want to develop this land. I like this land as being open space. So there's a, there's a, a easement on this property in, in perpetuity. It can be a cattle farm. It could be native Illinois prairie. It could be a golf course. That's all it can be. And if you and if you happen to t take a, a, a you know Google look of Lake County, there's this like green donut hole in the middle of Lake County. Merritt Club's part of it. There's some Prisker land. There's some land in Grays Lake. You know Marshall Fields land. It's all connected, part of this conservatory. That they're all part of this. That it can't be developed. This is this is this little contingent way of saying, hey, let's stop some of this. It's, it's pretty cool. That is. This is kind of Mr. Getz's legacy. That, that's what we had one of our, the one of the players that's out there right now said, uh, you know, you forget you're in Illinois to a degree because all you all you do see is kind of landscape yeah. and nature. It's, it's surrounding you. It's everywhere. Yeah, and that, that's season. one of the things when they put it together. I mean, there's homes on, you know, one, two, and three, I guess four. But then once you get past the fifth, the fifth green, there's no more homes out there, and it was it was designed that way on purpose. Yeah. And when Mr. Gets got together, he basically got Bob Loman and Ed O'Field to say, "Okay, here is a piece of land that I have that's about, oh, I guess about you know 500 acres. Take the best acreage you need to build a golf course. I'll put some homes on the other when you're done. I'll keep my 100 acres up here in the corner." But you take the best acres. It's not done that way a lot of times. A lot of times they put the best acres for the homes and route the golf course in between it. Now this was the best acres for the golf course, and then homes were kind of after the fact because some people would want to live out here. Pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does come across that way where yeah. you just know that they used every inch of the the property for great golf. Yeah. Um, that's that's very cool. Do you, do you know? Was there ever discussion of more than eighteen at that time? You know, I like I said, I wasn't part of that. I would think if you would ask Mr. Getz right now, he might have thought, yeah, maybe since we had everything out running more, maybe we should have done more than, than um, well, the 21 holes. We got the 18 and then the three practice holes. You know, maybe to, maybe to make it another 20, make it 27 or, or even a 36. You know, I mean, but, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. I, the three-hole practice course is just awesome. It, it, it's a it's a perfect. I mean, the holes are you know it, it's legitimate. It's three sixty about one fifty about four twenty, and they're kept up. You yeah. know, as you know, it, it, with the same manicure of the rest of the golf course, but it's perfect for you know the the fathers and sons and daughters that come on out and play. And if the if the kids are eight nine or ten, and maybe their focus isn't good enough for nine holes, okay, you can play three. Hey, you can play six. Yeah, it's okay. That's you know, if you go out there and. And you turn around, and one of the young guys is doing backflips through the uh, through the bunkers. Eh, nobody cares, you know, <laughs> because everybody's having a good time. Yeah. And that's the deal. Come out here and spend a little time at, at the Merrick Club. What, was the three holes always there? Or the three holes was always there. It was there always was there. that was part of it. Ed Oldfield, um, who uh, you know been in the business forever, and that's my mentor and boss. You know, I, I worked for him at the Glenview Club. That's where he came from yeah. originally. Um, 
he was always his his claim to fame has always been a, a, a renowned teacher. I mean, he was a you know the top hundred teachers when they just started it. Uh, taught I don't know how many major championships he has taught, um, especially on the on the LPGA side, whether it be you know, Jan Stevenson, Alice Miller, Betsy King, you know some of these some of these uh, women that that he taught. Um, and he was always a true believer. That's why I think our practice facility is second to none. You know, with the double-sided green uh, uh, landing, or excuse me, driving range for both ways. So if the wind doesn't affect you, we have a 60-yard pitching area. We got greenside bunkers. We got fairway bunkers. We got a, a, a putting and a chipping green. Let alone the three practice holes. So you can go out there a little bit and. You know, always the toughest walk in golf is from the range to the first tee. Well, now you can go over there and practice it. Too. Yeah, that's so. yeah, true. To practice taking it to the, to the <laughs> take, course. Take it yeah. to the course, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I think it's awesome to hear that that's been there from the beginning because yeah. uh, a lot of courses are adding short courses now. Sure. To, to get back to more of that ideal of playing the game, you know, not just always the, the pounding balls in the range or, or the big boy course, but if you're yeah. a beginner or kids especially, just going out and playing, playing three holes. Or you come at night and you and you, you say, you know what? I just want to walk around after a long day of work, and just walk around and play two or three balls, and I'll just walk around in a circle and enjoy it. You know, try to decompress a little bit. That's great. Um, you talked to, you talked about Ed. Yes. Is, is is he one of the big reasons that you have been so helpful for other PGA pros and and getting them from, um, you know, moving forward in their careers? Well. Um, you know, I never really thought of that uh, per se, but I would consider Ed um, one of the most influential figures in my life, kind of like a second father to me. I mean, he, you know, he took me in. I remember as kids, you know, we'd be out there and and we, we were allowed to play golf on Mondays and we'd go out there and sometimes we weren't supposed to be where we were supposed to, but I'd see him drive by and we're diving in the bushes because we weren't supposed to be there. And you say, <laughs> well... I better go check the other side of the golf course. I might be back in an hour or two. Well, we knew exactly that, hey, just go out there and play. Don't let anybody see you, and I know where you're at. And um, he was fantastic. He has always given me, you know, always give back, always make sure that, you know, this, this game, I mean, you hear some of this rhetoric a thousand times. This game has given me so much. It's given me my career. It's given me, you know, uh, the availability to put a roof over my head for my family uh, to some of the some of the other stuff and, and taught me different things that I can teach and pass on to my kids. It's just so much more than a competition. And, you know, it, it really instilled that into me. I mean, he was the first one that really believed in me and says, hey, you know, you know, just being a golf professional, you're, you're, that's great, but everything about being a GM and a golf pro. And it got me thinking about some of that stuff. He says, I think you'd be pretty good at this. And, um, and you know, and, and, and every time I see him, I always thank him because he, uh, he's, you know, he's a big part of my life and reason why I'm at, without a doubt. That is, that is awesome. I mean, I, sometimes it's just somebody else having some confidence in you, right? No to question. T- to tell you that I expect you to do good things. Yeah. I feel like that is so much bigger than... Uh, what you the self talk of your own? You know, you need just a mentor, especially somebody to say, "Hey, you can do that." Yeah, no, no doubt. That's really cool. Um, so sh- shifting gears back to to the club and and uh, the course, what there's been a lot of good competitions out here. And I know you're a competitor, and, and it <laughs> comes across <laughs> in a lot of ways. But from basketball to to golf, sure. and you guys have hosted, you know, the UL LPGA last season, 2016, 2016. Um, obviously, the uh, the women's U.S. Open in two thousand. It was in two thousand, and and one of my favorites is a 
pretty passionate amateur golfers that the, the Merit Amp. Yeah, the we, Merit we, amateur. We have, uh, we have put together uh, something called the Merit Amp. Um, it's 15, 16 years now. It was the brainchild of one of our, uh, our uh, longtime members, gentleman Mr. Marty Carmody, uh, a wonderful amateur player. And he thought it would be great to bring a, uh, uh, a four ball tournament here. And he's played in places like the Champions and played at Canterbury. He says, we need to have a golf course. So he brought this here. And I'll be perfectly honest, at the time when I was running it, I really didn't even think about it. I mean, there is a whole undercurrent. There's a whole sub-society out there that runs these wonderful events. And there's an amateur circuit that you can get involved in. I mean, you can play golf probably every week, you know, if you got enough money and time, yeah. you know, all around the country. So he came up with this idea, and we run. Um, it's basically it's well, it's 54 holes. You play 27 holes each day. It's a, a better ball of well, it's it's a, it's a four ball championship. So you and your partner play the first 18 of each day. You play better ball, the, the emergency nine, if, if that's a good name for it. You play both balls count. You do that on both days, um, and we play with um, stable for points. So you know modified, you know. Plus eight, plus five, plus two, plus you know flat minus one, minus, minus three if you get a double bogey, and it, it's uh, it's a fantastic event. The you know to qualify for the event, one of the partners has had to play in a USG event, whether it be a senior am, uh, mid am, yeah. uh, US amateur, and so on. And it's it's a quality field. We probably get I'm trying to think last year. I think we probably had we have forty teams. Couple divisions, a senior and a mid-am division. I think we had eleven states represented. Wow! Yeah, so I mean, it, it people it's come in from all over the country, and it's a uh, it's a it's a quality field and a great. You know, we usually do it in, in September. This year, it's the third week of September. That's yeah. going to be done. And I, I saw a list of some of the past winners. I mean, there is some elite amateur golfers on we, there. We got, we got some sticks that have won there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Uh, on the course, what's your favorite part about Merritt Club? Not, first, the course, and then, then we'll talk about the club. But what's your favorite part about the, the course, the layout, the architecture? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff to the architect that just or that was done with the architecture. I mean, one of the things that, that I think is kind of neat is um, if you came out here and played, you know, I think we have some pretty good par threes. You know, they're nice. You know, second hole can be anywhere from 170 to 210, but that goes straight south. You know, our seventh hole is about 170 to about 130 over over a little pond, nice little, nice little green. That one goes straight west. Our eleventh hole is 210 again to about 160. That one goes straight south. And our sixteenth hole, you know, 150 yards to 200. That one kind of goes southeast. So even if they were set up at 50, 150 yards. You get the wind blowing, which it always blows a little bit out here because we're fairly open. You could have hit four different clubs because the wind's blowing left to right, right to left, downwind, into the wind. Because the because the way it was designed, all all par threes they were trying to design to the four points of the compass, and we didn't quite get there at 16, but it does make it enough of an angle to where it's a different shot. So it's not the same shot every time, even if it's the same 150 yards, yeah. and it won't be. But um, you know the way we do it. Um, we, we are a couple different sets of tees, 7,200 from the back tees. We get 6,600 from our member tees, 61 for the forward tees, and, and so on. But on any given day, 
you know, we'll change the holes. And the first hole can be 422, and the next day it came out, it's 366. Now, the overall yardage will be 6,600, but we'll just we'll move the tees around so you're not always hitting a driver wedge on the first hole. Today it's a driver 5-iron, tomorrow it's a driver 9-iron, yeah. depending on where the tees set. So not that it's a totally different golf course, but it can be, you can have totally, you know, three or four different, three or four, you know, three or four different changes in clubs. Yeah. It'll be 5-iron one day, 9-iron the next, even if it's the exact same conditions, right. just because of where you're teeing from. Creates different angles off the tees. Um, one of the things that's really nice too are fairways. They're not straight fairways, they're kind of sculpted. They have indentations and this and that. And from the CTs we call them, which is where the, where the, the 6,600 yard mark is, it's usually the widest about the 240 to 250 range, yeah. where the average player actually hits it. Then it necks down a little bit at about 280, 290 yeah. if you're there. So the, so the guy who hits it farther has actually a smaller landing area. You know, so just some of the stuff that's done on purpose that people think, oh, I didn't even realize that. It, it, it's a it's a really neat. Um, there's a lot to the architect behind it. Yeah, I the, one thing I, I maybe didn't know the first time I played out here because it was a, it was raining that day, but today you know we got a warm, hot, sunny day. Uh, the fairways were really fast for some guys, and I noticed we were looking at some shots into. Uh, into three and four, and they were playing some of the ground game because the wind's howling at them, and it kind of gave me some reminiscence of maybe a little lynx land, you know, because yeah. there's uh, the limited, not many trees, and the wind, like you said, can come over the the meadow and just come yeah. roaring, you know, roaring down. Uh, there's guys playing the the ground game, which you just don't see at many sure. Illinois clubs. Right? Well, it, part of that is, into, I mean, you bring up the point: the wind is usually a factor here. You know, if you were to come out from 6,500 yards or 66 and there's no wind, and it, boy, this isn't much of a golf course, you can kind of hit it here, you hit it there. Well, this golf course was designed with wind. Yeah. It, and it's playable when it's wind. So many golf courses now, oh, if it's 6,600 and there's no wind, hey, I can play this golf course. But if the wind starts blowing, I got no chance. You know, our golf course is made that there are, there's maybe on the eighth hole, about half the green is covered up, you know, by a bunker, you know, as you're going into the green. Every other green, you could roll the ball up on the green. You can land 15, 20 feet short or 30 yards short. You can putt from 20 yards off the green if you want to. And because you can you can roll it up onto the green. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was done that way on purpose yeah. because of that. You know, trying to incorporate, you know, the ground game. And it's one of the things we're trying to get a little bit faster and firmer. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we're, we're a Lynx golf course. We're more of a Prairie style. Yeah. Um, but... You know, no hidden shot, or no blind shots, no blind pot bunkers or anything like that. But um, you know, we we had some guys in you know, rolling along the ground. Okay, that's fine. Still a great challenge for the better player. Gives that uh, that choice. You got to at least think about it. Yeah, always choices. Yeah, yeah. You have your selection of it. Um, what's the best match you've ever seen on here? I have a, a hopeful answer to that. But what's what do you think is the best match you you've seen? Um, well, I mean, the best match. You know, well, I, I, you know, I can go back and talk about, you know, a club match that I saw. Actually, we were talking about Marty Carmody, who's won the club championship here, I don't know, five or six times. He played in a club match with um, Tim Murray, uh, and it was just phenomenal for, for the club championship. 36 holes, they were battling down, I think, uh, well, Marty won, won up. But they were throwing birdies. They were in, these two guys were hitting it about the same distance and hitting it on the green. And I mean, 
pars pars were, were needed just to have holes. You weren't. I mean, it, you had to be under par to win this. To win this, and these two guys. I mean, it was. I think both of them were. Might have been three under par. For you know, I think I think Marty was four and Tim was three under for 36 holes. And it, I mean, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. You know. Now, I mean, that's just my personal watching watching a match. You know, somebody will talk about when Tiger Woods was here, or somebody will talk about. Um, uh, you know, when him and Michael Jordan played, I, I totally get it. That was, was kind of cool. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'll admit that. Yeah. But, you know, but... Uh, I'm sure Marty and, and the gentleman will be little excited that you answered it with them and not Tiger Woods. Well, I mean, it, 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 well, I mean it, it, that's, all, that's all well and good. You know, they're just doing who they are. But, I mean, in terms of just what golf is meant to be, I mean, just two guys who, A, love the game and just playing head-to-head, and, and nobody was going to lose that match. Somebody was going to win it with a good shot. Nobody was going to lose it yeah. by by oh let's let's if I hold on enough, this guy will shank one. No, no, no. These two guys were playing golf, and it was who's gonna who's gonna hit the better shot at the right moment. But they were both playing great golf. You know, with Tiger and Michael, I mean, you know, they, you know they who they are who they are. I mean, it was it was 1997. Tiger Woods is out here. You know, you stand up on the first tee and. And where do I hit it, pro? I said, I hit it, I hit it on this line at this over here. I mean, he hits it right there. I mean, you couldn't even, you know. He shot 65 with putting a ball in the water on seven. Um, you know, Jordan shot 73 that day. Uh, but uh, did MJ hit your lines as well? You know, MJ MJ hits it a long way. Sometimes he doesn't always hit it on the right line. But he's got a great set of hands, good chipper and putter. I mean, what you can imagine, the yeah. greatest athlete in the world. Yeah, everyone talks he had a great golf swing, but I, I, the footage I've seen, I've obviously never played yeah. golf with him, but he had good touch. Oh, fantastic touch. Yeah. I mean, uh, fantastic touch. And he, you know, he gets it up there, shuts the face a little bit, and, he, and he's so big and strong, he can get his three iron, you know, 250 yards. Yeah. You know, not necessarily always straight as you can point, but, you know, it was okay. Um, I, t- I told you I was going to ask you your favorite part about the course, and I forgot to ask you your favorite part about the club, because I know... You know, not just the facility here is incredible, but just the the nature of the club. So maybe tell us a little bit about the things you've enjoyed over your many years here uh, that you feel are um, most impactful on you know, why Merrick Club. What what's so special about this place? Well, I, I, I really, what makes it special, I think, is just a golf club. You know, there are no hidden agendas here. We um, we have uh, you know the, the Getz family. Have you heard me talk about? Um, you know, they they control the club. It was their land. They control it. Um, there's no committees um, to deal with. There's no, there's no, none of that politics. You come out here, you leave your troubles on Milwaukee Avenue, and you play golf. You want to pick them up on the way home? That's your choice. Go right ahead. Um, but there, there's, we just do golf and good place to eat. That's what we do. I mean, and you don't have to deal with all that other stuff. And it's really, it's, it's. Hey, I'm, I'm blessed. Like I said, I've been there for 26 years, 17 years as the GM slash director of golf. Not many golf professionals get to sit where I where I have. Uh, I'm been blessed. I mean, it's just, it's. Um, I, I say thank you every day. Yeah. You know, because this is just a heck of a place to be um, as an employee. You know, um, and I think our members like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've met plenty who are raving fans already today. So. Um, so I'll ask you kind of just more rapid fire questions, sure. I guess. So just quick answers. Okay. Stuff, that, uh-huh. stuff that I thought might be interesting. Um, so as a, I'm, I'm always curious on this because I've 
looked at a thousand different YouTube clips of golf swings and golf tips and golf books and you know videos I, or uh, audios I listen to in the car. If you, what's the most recommended book or video that you have given to a golfer who's trying to um, trying to more enjoy the game? Maybe they're trying to get better, but maybe they're just trying to have more fun out there. What's what's something that you've recommended a lot for them? That's a resource out there. Um, well. An educational book or an instructional book, the one that I really like now is, is really is, is your Short Game Solution by James Siegman. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic in terms of, of, of just learning how to hit different types of wedges. I mean, we all know you get to a certain spot as a player. If you're going to get better, you got to learn how to get better from 50 yards. And it, you know, I don't care how far you hit the drive. I mean, you have to hit a certain distance, but you got to hit shots 50 yards in and get up and down more than the guy standing next to you if you want to win win yeah. and and James Sigmund is just just a does a wonderful job of teaching the short game of uh, you know put you in position you know how to use the bounce of the club you know how to do to really get the, sh- the shots that you need to, you know to do to be a player yeah you know I, I uh, it's so funny you say that because I, I someone gave me that tip recently and, and I looked at one of the things that they talked a lot about how the wedge actually works sure i feel like you know i've been trying so so many years to do all these different things but no one ever actually explained to me hey here's why a golf club's designed the way that it is <laughs> so and that kind of helps you figure out how to actually use it yeah, 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 everything if you, if you look at that and you say okay you know okay you got the you know, leading edge is actually higher than the back edge you want the back edge to hit the ground and bounce off the ground you don't want to dig into it because you don't have enough power to dig into it you know, as you do in the fairway to, to drive the ball, you know, you, you want you, you can't let the grass, that much grass get caught between a club plates as well, otherwise you just lay the side over it. Yeah. So you got to let that bounce happen. You got to let the hands work. You got to feel the back end of the club, you know, hitting the ground just before contact with the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, that. So, uh, what's the most significant purchase you've made related to golf that's under $100? For me personally, it's real simple. It is the swing app that I use on my iPad to analyze people's swings. I think it cost me $4.95, <laughs> and it's just been the greatest thing in the world. I can analyze, I can I can flip, I can send it. It's by far the, the you know, I was like, where was this when I had to spend you know, $5,000, you know, 20 years ago buying video equipment? Yeah. You know, it's amazing what I can spend now. You know, it's, you know, when I spend then, JC video now I can now I can spend five dollars and get something better than I did then. <laughs> so, technology. Did you, have you always been a video guy? Like letting people see their swing visually. A lot of that depends on actually who it is. All right. You know some people some people need to put um, you know will learn through their eyes. Some people learn through feel. Some people learn through through their ears better. Some people need a combination thereof. Sometimes I'll use it because people say okay they might not believe what I'm telling them. I said hey here you go. I mean, I might lie to you, but this machine, this picture won't lie to you. You, you, you you're, 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 uh, you're crossing the line. Your wrist is cut. What well, doesn't feel that way? I didn't care how it felt. I'm just telling you what it looks like. And so, so I'll use it as a, a way to give me credibility. Um, uh, a word that we're using a lot when we're trying to think of all the different things that makes golf great uh, is when it's compelling. When golf is compelling, and that could mean a lot of different things, but what would compelling golf mean to, to Don Peeper? Compelling golf. I would think for me, compelling golf is, and it might even just me being out there by myself, 
with the bag on my shoulders, and I gotta sit there and I gotta hit a little, little toe-in hook into this spot. And then the next hole, I'm hitting a little cut shot, and you know, much more oriented to hitting a good shot when it was called for. Um, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just taking back to my roots as a kid, just just walking on a golf course and just playing. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, playing at Augusta or doing this or, or playing with these people. Um, sometimes it's just me, just with me, just playing golf. It's 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 amazing that it's one of the sports that you can do it in so many different ways of enjoying the game, right? It's either socially or in a match against somebody, you know, heated back and forth yeah. or just on your own. Sure. Each time, it doesn't, everyone's just a little different. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it compelling golf. I mean, it's a great question. I don't know if I've ever had that question asked to me, you know? Um, yeah, for, for us, it's like you look up compelling, it's just irresistible, desirable, yeah. enjoyable, memorable. Yeah. And, and that's the word that kind of sums up, you know, why do we keep coming back to this game? <laughs> you know, what is it? And it's exactly what you just described, that feeling of that little toe draw. And, and I hit the perfect shot that it was called for at the perfect time. You know, whether I'm in a match, whether I'm in, you know, playing in a tournament, it, it just... It's just like, for that brief moment in time, I conquered this game. And it takes the range back real quick. I get that. But it's still yeah. fun. And every now and then, you're like, hey, I did win. Yeah. Yeah. That feels good. Um, is golf an activity or a sport? Well, for me, it's a sport. So you had a Twitter bio uh, that says... And, and I'm quoting here, I might screw it up, but it's um, making golf fun one player at a time or one person at a time. Is that from you? Yes, it is. That is from me. So tell me where that came from, where, where that started, because I think it's something we don't hear enough of. You know, I, I don't know if I, I must have heard it somewhere, but I've been saying it to all my members because I think to, en to enjoy something must be fun. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. You know, otherwise it becomes a chore, it becomes a task. And that's not what this is about. Um, and if you're going to take the first step in golf, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got to be fun. And so I'll always end all my lessons, especially with the people that are just learning the game. So now remember, I, we're in, even when we get started, I said, I want you, you're going you're to learn three words today. Three words today, you're going to learn them. And I'll say, golf is fun. Okay, and I haven't repeated. And then about halfway through the lesson, I said, what are those three words again? Usually it's golf is fun. And by the end, I say, okay, remember those three words? And then every time they see me, you know, they say, okay, golf is fun. And I think, because they keep coming back, because it is fun. I mean, if it, if it wasn't fun, why would we be doing it? Yeah. And, and it's, it's truly the greatest game ever invented. I mean, you can play golf at any age, within genders, within generations. Um, how, you know, you're never playing. There's not, you know, you, you can play tennis basketball, football, every field is identical. Okay, maybe they got an artificial turf, maybe they don't, but it's 100 yards, it's, it's this, this many yards wide. It, you know, okay, tennis, you got clay, grass, or, or hard court, okay, I get that. But there isn't one golf course that's identical to another one. There's not one. Some are gonna be better than others, some are gonna like better than others, but you're outside. You're out there, you know, and you're playing amongst people, and you can play forever, you know, whether 
whether when you're a kid you hit the ball 200 or 320 yards and now you're 55 and you can't hit it 230, well, I just hope your short game's better. You can still be a better player. You can still score better as long as your short game is where it's supposed to be. With, with that in mind, what, do you think, what are some things you think either uh, the game of golf or uh, the golf industry needs moving forward? You know, kind of everyone talks about how the game has evolved and changed and USGA is updating rules and everyone's kind of has their own opinion. But do you think there's things that either you, you would love to change if you could or you think could change over time? Um, you know, golf's been around for 500 years, you know, from the, from the you know, the, the drunk uh, shepherd Scotsman that had to hit something in between, in, in between uh, chasing the sheep around. Um, and it will it'll always be around. I mean, I would love to have, like anything, I think, you know, throwing the, throwing the, the bag on your shoulder, walking, um, playing golf. Um, I would love to see that, that people accept golf for the the changes that occur on a daily basis and when I say that is some days you go out the greens are this fast some days they're they're that they're that fast some days the bunkers are softer than others some days the fairways are wet they're not wet it just accept it as a, as a daily challenge you know golf you know to steal a line from Bob Rotella golf is not a game of perfect so who can make the changes, who can adapt the quickest is going to win. And understand that the only fair thing about golf is that it's unfair for everyone. And that's just the way it is. And and if you get a bad break, okay, I want you to put that on the bad break scale. And then the next time you hit it in the trees and it bounces on the green, you put that on the good break side. And I guarantee you that they're going to add up. You know, just don't just don't think you get bad breaks because all oh, the good breaks you have and you don't remember them. Oh, that was supposed to happen that way. Eh, it doesn't always work that way. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. It's such a great, I mean, for the young people, it's a great life lesson because, you know, you know, some people are born on third base, some people are still in the batter's box. That's just the way life is. Yeah. Golf is just a great way of putting that there. You just, I think you just summed up why we. We feel so passionately about the game. Why we want more people out there and to join in and play with us a bit sure. more because uh, it carries over. It carries over into your life. It really has. I mean, you know, you go, golf has given us a lot, but it's also taught us a lot. And I think it's one of the best teachers I've ever had is the ups and downs, the good breaks and bad breaks. Those are all experiences and lessons that yeah. you can take into uh, your your normal life, not just your golf life. Yeah, it, it's and you hear it all the time. It's. It's not so much what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you react to it. Well, Don, I think that's uh, – thanks for the time. Oh, this no is, problem, man. This is so cool. I, no. uh, you have an amazing golf course in, in the Merritt Club, but even a more uh, welcoming environment and just the staff and uh, everybody we've met here is so proud of this place, and, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, nice of you to say, and like I said, I think each one of us feel blessed in our own way because this is a pretty good spot in the world. That was Don Peeper, General Manager and Director of Golf at the Merit Club. We'd like to again thank Don and all the staff at the Merit Club for sharing their story. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to many more conversations with interesting people in interesting places that have all helped move our game forward. Thanks for listening and enjoy the walk.